Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Owen the Saints podcast with me, your host Patrick Serlis and a couple of others, regular faces Jack Serlis and Jack Mainstone. How are you both? Good, all good, thanks. Mainstone, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you mate. Yeah, all good. And we also have a debutant with us today. I'd like to give a warm welcome to Ben Thompson. Ben, welcome to Owen the Saints podcast. Thanks so much, mate. Yeah, happy to be on. Great. So if you've read our newsletter, you knew this was coming because Ben has contributed a couple of pieces in recent weeks. The first on the debate between Alex McCarthy and Fraser Forster in gold. And second, most recently last week on Che Adams' recent good form um, and his role in the team without Danny Ings. Ben, for the listeners, could you just give a little intro to yourself and and how you became a Saints fan? Yeah, of course. Um, I was born in Glasgow. I'm from Scotland and uh, there wasn't really one specific moment where I think I became a Southampton fan, but I just kind of, when we were kind of coming up to back to the Premier League, I was just enjoying it, looking for an English team to support and and later found out that I have family down from Southampton and from Southampton and from Winchester itself. So, yeah. That's a good right. reason. Good reason. <laughs> we, had Matt, we had Matt Markstone on the on the pod last week, didn't we? And he's obviously a Saints fan based in California, so it's good to to grow the family, isn't it, Pat? We need more people on the podcast. It's it get, absolutely. gets a bit boring just me and you talking every week. <laughs> it's good to freshen things up with a few new faces, a few new voices, for sure. So this is an international break special. No Saints game this week. So instead, we're going to be discussing some of the Saints players on international duty, starting with our skipper, James Will Prowse, who bagged his first England goal on Thursday in the 5-0 route of San Marino. It was his fifth cap. By the time this podcast goes live, he may have got his sixth as England play Albania on Sunday, before then facing Poland on Wednesday. Mainstone, you're probably the biggest England fan we've got on this podcast. Well, it's certainly not Ben, for sure. But, <laughs> um, between between um, me and Jack, I think you're the biggest England fan, for sure. What did you make of Warprowse's performance against San Marino? And how do you rate his chances of, of not only making Southgate squad, but starting? Um, I think... In terms of England, I'm of the opinion that you can't really read too much into the San Marino game. It's kind of, it annoys me that we play San Marino. Um, I don't think it's fair on them at all. I think there should be a re- reworking of the, how the uh, qualification goes. So I just think it's a pointless game. Um, but James Will Prowse, to be fair to him, he played well, I think. I think he's definitely done his um, chances well anyway from this little um, cameo. Well, 90 minutes. Was it 90 minutes in the end he did play? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Was, I didn't think he got taken off. But yeah, he's um, a lot more advanced, I think, um, with this England side than with Southampton. He's obviously got a little bit more freedom, um, whereas we know Ralph kind of likes to play a more rigid rigid system, certainly in the um, well, half, our uh, defensive third and halfway line, etc. But he done well, took his goal well, almost scored a worldly free kick, um, which would have been ridiculous. But at least everyone now is starting to kind of recognise James Will Prowse a little bit more, it seemed, after that, especially on Twitter. Um, a lot of people I saw were talking about him and it's just another performance that we've come to expect from him. Um, mm-hmm. And good goal, good little finish. Um, and yeah, I actually think he's got a really good chance. I think he's definitely in the squad for the Euros and I wouldn't be that surprised if he actually did start. I don't know whether this is a compliment or not, but he's a very Gareth Southgate sort of player, isn't he? I don't know what you guys <laughs> yeah. think, but yeah. he's, he's a safe pick because we know that what you're going to get from him and the set pieces on top. Yeah, so England's first game of the Euros is against, it's a semi-final, World Cup semi-final rematch actually against Croatia on June 13th. Now, I agree with you. I don't know how much you can learn from a match where you have 32 shots 
and 85% possession. Um, probably not a lot. But Jack, if you were just assessing Ward Prowse's position in England squad and you've got to think about his competition in that midfield, possibly hmm. the weakest area of the England squad. Um, we've got Declan Rice in there, Calvin Phillips, Harry Winks, and obviously Jordan Henderson, who's currently injured, but is likely to be back in time for the Euros. What do you think of War Prowse's chances of, of starting that Croatia game? To be completely honest, I don't think he starts. I think he definitely makes the squad. He had something different to the England team that, you know, we've got players like Mason Mount, Declan Rice, Bellingham's in the squad, Calvin Phillips. I mean, it is, you'd say, maybe a weaker part of the squad, but there are still, you know, Premier League players in there that probably are above him in the pecking order in terms of the starting position. I think what Wal Prowse needs to do in these remaining nine games is is contribute like goals and assists like he's been doing this season. I think he's got maybe, is it six six goals this season, but quite a few assists as well. Um, I don't know if you guys watch it, but I watch a lot of the England YouTube content. Like They do a lot of behind the scenes training and stuff and I think it's brilliant. We had Jim Lucas on the pod, Pat, didn't we? Back in the back in the early days, who's like the head of media at England. He seems to, I think their, their content they put out is brilliant, but they did a behind the scenes training and it was James Ward-Prowse, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and I think Phil Foden just arriving into the box and it was just balls coming across and his goal that he took against San Marino was like a carbon copy of what they were showing in training. And I think it's interesting. It's an area that I think he needs to work on because he gets his free kicks, he gets his penalties and he gets his assists from set pieces. But if he's really going to nail down a position, he needs to be a bit more of a threat. So again, can't read into it too much. We're playing against a, a team, you know, a very low ranked team. It's San Marino. We've got to be realistic. Um, but it's it's encouraging that he's making those runs and getting on the end of those on the end of those balls. I think it was Chilwell that played it across, but I'd like to see a bit more of that at Southampton as well. I think he's got that ability to strike the ball. He's one of the best strikers of the ball in the league, and I think he he needs to be a bit more of a threat in the in the opposition box. Yeah, I mean it was for sure a surprise when I didn't watch the San Marino game, but when I saw Will Prowse scored and then to see it was from open play was yeah. was for sure a surprise. It's interesting what you said, Mainstone, about him playing slightly further forward. Because those players that I just listed about competition in the middle are all slightly more defensive, especially when you look at Phillips and Rice, probably um, two of the um, more of a holding midfielder, more of a holding midfielders in the England squad. Mm-hmm. Further forward, the competition gets tougher because we do have a lot of very good creative attacking midfielders, and that's where potentially it might get a little bit more tricky. Ben, I bring you in. It'd be interesting to get a Scottish voice on the England squad. Obviously, Scotland in. England's group at the Euros. What do you make of, of Ward Prowse's um, role within the England team? Uh, and what are your, just your thoughts on the England team generally as they're as they shaping up for the summer? Yeah, so I don't, um, don't tend to watch every England match, especially when, they're, when Scotland are on at the same time. But yeah, to see him score, especially so quickly into the game, um, just get, getting the alert on the phone, I was like, oh, it must, must be from a free kick now. But from, mm-hmm. yeah, as you said, Jack, from open play, um, with the left foot as well, I think was it. Um, yeah, yeah, left foot. It's quite encouraging for in terms of he's got that extra bit to his game. Um, and like you said, with the centre mids, I feel and him playing ninety minutes week in week out for Southampton, and then again playing ninety minutes for England, he's one of those players that just doesn't stop running. And I think that's the sort of players you need on international duty in a tournament where you've got three games in in the space of a week, ten days. 
Yeah, I think that's a I think that's an excellent point because yeah, Ward Prowse we all know his record for Southampton. He's an ever present, um, and and I agree with you, Mason, what you said about it's a Gareth Southgate sort of, sort of player for sure. Um, while we're on the topic of England, obviously we have to discuss Danny Ings injury being dreadful timing for him, probably more than anyone he's lost out due to Euro 2020 being postponed in the form of his life building up to last summer. 22 Premier League goals, one short of the golden boot that went to Jamie Vardy, 25 in all competitions. I think it's fair to say that he was the favourite to be understudy to Harry Kane had the tournament gone ahead last summer. Now Danny's watching on from the sidelines, a couple of injuries this season, limiting him to just eight Premier League goals. And you've got the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ollie Watkins, and potentially even Patrick Bamford now ahead of him in the pecking order. He would have been watching that game on Thursday night against San Marino, thinking that should have been me when Calvert-Lewin was bagging two goals. Do any of you see a way back into the England fold? Let's start with you, Maystone. Do you see a way back into the England fold for Danny in time for this summer? I don't, unfortunately. Um, I think you summed it up perfectly when you said about being um, really, really unlucky last year in terms of the form he was in. And um, Kane wasn't necessarily 100% fit, was he, for the start of the Euros? I think if it went ahead last year, so he was in real contention. Um, but I think now this season with injuries, etc., I think he's he's a little bit down the pecking order because unfortunately the, the people that are starting to creep above him um, are actually of a slightly younger age as well, which again goes further against Danny. I think I think that's a good point, Jack. What do you think on on Danny's ability to break in? Obviously, we're hopeful that he's going to come back after the international break, but Calvert Lewin's playing for England and scoring goals. Ollie Watkins is playing for England and scoring goals, and then Banford was pro- probably pretty unlucky to miss out on the England squad this time. Gareth's picked Danny before, so he obviously likes what he can do, but building up to a summer tournament it's all about who's in form right yeah it's just such a shame that there's injury and you know the the Euros were postponed because you just think back at the back end of last season and the goals that he was scoring like the when we went away to Watford um, just those and the Bournemouth goal was just brilliant it was just classic Danny Ings just cutting in and doing it and you're thinking you'd love to see him do that in an England shirt Um, we've obviously got nine games left in the league plus a cup semi-final I wouldn't write him off just yet because I think if if he goes on a bit of a run and maybe scores six or seven goals and maybe does something in that cup semi-final, I think that puts him ahead of players like Ollie Watkins. And mm. I kind of think that Gareth Southgate would think the same. Like you said, he's picked him before. There's something about him that he likes. In terms of finishing ability, I'd put him ahead of Ollie Watkins. I'd put him ahead of Calvert-Lewin. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of finishing, I do think Calvert-Lewin adds something different and he definitely should make the squad. But in terms of that other spot, if Danny comes back fit, Southampton are posting stuff on Instagram of him in training, so it does look like he's going to be back, hopefully for that Burnley game. But I do think it's a big ask for him. Um, but it's something that I think Saints fans should be quite excited about because this is huge motivation for Danny to do something in these last nine games. So I think you know if there's ever going to be a time that we're going to see him given you know absolutely everything for a Saints share. It might be because he wants to get an England squad, but it's definitely good for us um, in the league and hopefully in the cup as well. What do you reckon, Pat? Do you think he's got a chance? Uh, I think you've summed it up quite well there. I think it's good for us because there is no greater motivation for him over the final stretch of the season. I'd, if I had to put a bet on it, I'd say he doesn't make the squad. Um, mm. 
breaking it down in terms of his competition. Obviously, you've got Harry Kane. And then you're probably looking at one other kind of pure striker because then you've also got to think about Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, um, Raheem. Lot, Raheem Sterling. There's mm. lots of forward options that Southgate is almost certainly going to pick alongside Harry Kane, which then means there's going to be one other number nine. I think... Danny Ings is the best pure finisher, as you said, of the group behind, whether it's Calvert-Lewin, Watkins, Bamford. They do have age on their side, as Mainstone said. They're all good pressing strikers as well, as Danny is. Danny's a good pressing striker, but I think you look at Patrick Bamford, he, he runs all day in that lead system. You look at Ollie Watkins, um, he's just a little bit more physically imposing um, than Danny Ings. And for sure, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a different type of striker um, the ball in the the ball in the box. We, he scores um, he scores goals for fun when the crosses come in, and he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, quicker. So yeah. as far as a, as far as a different option to to Danny, I think Dominic Calvert Lewin's the one that probably Southgate ends up going for. Also because he's playing for Everton and they're competing for a European place towards the top of the Premier League. Um, ben, where do you stand on Danny's chances of making? the Euros and, and how he how he compares really, how it shakes out with the other options that Southgate has up front. Yeah, I think I think at the moment I would say Calvert-Lewin's ahead of him in the pecking order. And I think it might boil down to whether Southgate takes two out and out strikers or three. Um, because you've got obviously Kane, who's very experienced. And then apart from that, in terms of strikers, Calvert-Lewin's still slightly young. Uh, and you've got Watkins and Bamford, who are kind of only just coming into their they're good years now and Danny Young's been in the England setup before depending on how kind of how he's blended into the into that group as a whole and that squad when he's been there uh, maybe South, Southgate looks at that and goes he, he's a part of this squad bigger than just on the pitch in terms of the back and um, back, background yeah that's a good point like he's obviously been in the squad before um, and there'll obviously be a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't we don't see. So if Southgate considers him as part of the squad and he's out of it at the moment because of injury, but as soon as he gets back playing with Southampton and scoring a few goals, he'll slot back in. Um, that could only be good for us. He's a better striker than Ollie Watkins. I'd also think that Patrick Bamford should feel a little bit hard done by. He's got 14 goals this mm-hmm. season. And to be honest, I probably would have picked him over Ollie Watkins. I think he's just adds something a little bit more different up there. So, you know, I think he, he should feel a little bit aggrieved that maybe he didn't get the call up. For me as well, you've got to think about what's What's the role in this team? And realist, I think it's it's coming off the bench. Obviously, Harry Kane's starting. Now, if England need a goal and you're bringing a striker off the bench, there's no one that I'd back more given one chance of those options to stick it away should it fall to him eight yards out than Danny Ings. Yeah. Um, the concern, I think, potentially for Southgate would be if something happened to Harry Kane. And let's be honest, he's not, he gets injured relatively frequently. Um, someone like Calvert-Lewin is much more of a like-for-like replacement than if all of a sudden you had to play Danny Ings from the start up front for England. Um, yeah. I think that's a very, very different England team than versus Calvert-Lewin, who could come in and play a similar role to Harry Kane in being that physical threat up front and being that focal point of the team. That's not really Danny's game, is it, Mainstone? And as I mentioned at the start, you're probably the biggest England fan here. Coming to you, what are England's chances of of lifting that first European Championship trophy 
Um, I mean, we're favourites, aren't we? Did I hear on commentary the other night that we're oh actually favourites? We're not favourites. That is a <laughs> kiss of death be. for sure. I'm sure they said that on um, on the during the game the other night. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, it really depends on, for me anyway, on what Gareth wants to do um, with the style of play. I think there's easily two ways this could go. This could go very back to old during like before there was a turning point wasn't there the World Cup there was a potential turning point where we will then go either towards youth and playing more expansive football a together unit um, or it falls back to the old England where we make safe choices we play people that we know what they can bring and we take no risks and it kind of just falls a little bit flat I think with the likes of Foden and Grealish um, and Mason Mount to a certain extent I think we've got the makings of a very very good team um, I just think it all depends on the system that we play I even think if we're going to be really pure about it I'd actually start Grealish ahead of Sterling on the left wing for England I think he's that good I think he's probably naturally our best footballer in the squad um, in terms of raw ability so there's a really really good chance I think defensively we're still a little bit unstable at the back I think it might make a big difference as to who he's actually going to pick number one because I'm not sure Pickford will be number one for the uh, tournament um, mm. and obviously Stones coming back into form is a great help for us because um, he, he is a very very good defender when he is on form like he has been this season um, and then it kind of if he goes to the back three does he play Cody um, who's also very good in a back three and um, is a good leader as well um, and then you've got Maguire so I think we have got a good chance but our route through is very difficult um, I think if even if we come first or second in the group, we're due to either meet um, France, um, Spain, or one of the other big boys in either the round of yeah. 16 or the court final. So it's going to be difficult, but we need to beat them. And it is in England. So not a bad chance, but we're going to be scratching, I think. I'm on Paddy Power. Can confirm. We are, <laughs> we are joint, we're joint favourites. We're joint favourites. With France. Alongside with France, with France and then Belgium mm-hmm. and Spain follow up after that. But I can't see past France. They've got the best yeah. squad on paper. I mean, they've got top players in every single position. So I don't really see how, how there's not much value there. No. I don't think they're on England. Even Portugal was quietly racking up a really, really well, um, good in-depth squad as well. I was looking the other day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're always a threat at the Euros for yeah. sure. So um, obviously England opened their campaign against Croatia. It's a huge match, second up as well, at Wembley against Scotland on June 18th. Let's discuss Scotland. On Thursday, they drew 2-2 against Austria. Um, Shay Adams making his Scotland debut. He got about half an hour, I think, replacing Saints teammate Stuart Armstrong. Now, Ben, I'm, I'm, hopefully this doesn't offend you, but I don't think it should be too difficult for Shay to make that Scotland number nine role his own. <laughs> by looking at some of the other options that Steve Clark has up front, Coming to you first, could you just give us, for those that might not have watched the Scotland-Austria game, what did you make of, of Shea on debut? Yeah, I'll, I'll accept that um, about the strikers. We don't have the elite Premier League players up there like Harry Kane and, uh, and, and Calvert-Lewin. Um, yeah, he got, he got about 25 minutes and for me, I don't think he did much. The game, it was 0-0 when he came on and, and it finished 2 all, so livened up, you could say. and. Um, I, I don't think he got into. He didn't play his best game. I don't think, but it's, it's obviously going to be difficult when he's playing his first game for the national sides. And I was surprised that he came on for Armstrong as well because I would have thought maybe Steve Clark goes 
oh, well, these these two guys, they're both in the same club team. It's Adam's first time in a Scotland shirt. We'll see how they play together, see, how, see if they can link up and create something special. And uh, yeah, he, he kind of went missing a bit. Um, not as if not as if not as Lyndon Dykes did any better, but um, <laughs> I think the more game time he gets with that squad, the, the more he can kind of show to the Scotland coaching staff themselves that he's he's a much better player than Lyndon Dykes or the McBurney. Um, mm. I don't even know what other strikers we had on the bench. They came this bit for Hibbs. Yeah, yeah. So that that was what I was going to say. The options for those that might not have seen the Scotland squad is, is Lyndon Dykes, a QPR striker, um, Ollie McBurney, um, Kevin Nisbet. Uh, Hibernian striker as well. So when I say that, I mean, Lyndon Duck started up front. He scored a handful of goals in the championship for QPR. Just by Che Adams being a Premier League striker should give him a little bit of an advantage over Dykes in, in Clark's thinking, you'd like to think. Yeah. Ben, I'm just, interest, just interested on what was the reaction to, to Che getting that call up? Has there been, is there, was there a surprise among Scotland fans that Che have been called up or, or does it make sense that they'd be looking for other striker options? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. I remember, I think it might be a month ago, a couple of months ago, my dad sent me an article from 2017 about Alex McLeish when he was the Scotland manager inquiring about Adams, whether he wanted to play for Scotland when he was still at Birmingham. And I was like, oh yeah, that'd be nice if he could play for Scotland, but I can't see it happening. And yeah, with with him coming up, and a lot of guys have said, what my mates have said, it's they're not too keen on someone who's you know just playing because their grand because their grandfather or grandmother I think it is actually yeah. is Scottish, born in Edinburgh. But he I read an, I was reading an article this morning, and it was him that reached out to to Steve Clark in the Scotland setup, and that I think kind of shows that he he just really wants to play more football at a high level, and. Some, I mean, some of the teams we'll play against, like Israel, especially well, and especially in the Nations League, are the kind of opposition that you'll hope he'll thrive against. And so it's an opportunity, I think, for him to get his confidence um, growing and growing as he plays more. I mean, it's for sure a massive, massive opportunity for him with the Euros this summer. And professional footballers obviously back themselves as being the best when they go into any squad. I mean, I don't, you don't get to that level without backing your own ability. But I mean, he must be looking at those options ahead of him and seeing that Lyndon Dykes is starting up front for Scotland and thinking, I've got a fantastic opportunity here to start at the Euros, um, which would be huge for him, Jack. And and what were your immediate thoughts when, obviously, Adams had played, I think it was England under-20s. He, mm. He'd represented the under-20s before, but he does qualify for Scotland through his grandmother, were you surprised when when he got the call up, or what, what was your immediate reaction? I was very happy when I saw him get the call up. I think there's a lot of Saints players that you kind of worry about injury wise, and you don't want them to play too much football. I think Stuart Armstrong's maybe in that category that goes away and sometimes comes back with a bit of a knock. But Shea Adams is, you know, the more football he plays, the better I think for Southampton. So if he can go away with Scotland and hopefully score a few goals and build his confidence, that's only good for us. I did watch an interview that Scotland put out with him. I thought it was quite interesting because I think naturally a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking on on behalf of Scottish people here. Ben can maybe tell me different, but I think the natural reaction of a lot of people are saying, is this guy choosing to play for Scotland now because there's a Euros in the summer and it's kind of an ideal time to go play international football and go, you know, a massive tournament. So 
I just think it, it was very natural for him to to look to play for England in the youth teams as you would growing up in the country. But then as as you get into like the the peak of his career, he's 24 now, he's obviously going to assess his options and think, I do have links to, to other countries I can play for, probably not going to get in front of Harry Kane, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and the other strikers that we've mentioned. It's a brilliant chance to play for a Scotland team that do have Robertson, Tierney, McTominay, really good Premier League players in there and I think they've got a good chance of doing something this summer but just in that interview I thought it was quite interesting he he was like referring to himself as a bit of like a, an old school forward someone that's played through knocks so, you know if he gets an injury kind of would run it off as opposed to other players that maybe need to be wrapped in cotton wool a bit more and you do see that in him I think don't you mm-hmm. like he has played non-league football throughout his whole career and he was kind of a bit of a late starter in that sense so like I said at the start, I think the more football he plays, the better. We don't touch wood, need to worry about him getting injured too much. And hopefully he can build his confidence with Scotland and take that into the Premier League in the last nine games. You've mentioned it on this podcast before, but taking knocks, e.g. the boot to the face oh, that he yes. took against <laughs> West Ham, was it? And just kind of yeah, like shook his head and carried on. Um, but he wasn't... And, uh, and, and getting chopped against Sheffield United as well, didn't he? Yeah, John Fleck, Scotland teammate, isn't it? I think that... <laughs> won't be happening anymore, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but I think there was, there was a photo that I saw on Twitter. He was at Ilkston, if I'm pronouncing that right, in 2014. So he's a proper, like, come through the come through the lower leagues kind of player. And I think he's probably got a few of those knocks, as we all have, <laughs> yeah. from some big centre-backs. So, yeah. Well, three and three for him, I think, before... Um, before the Bournemouth game and obviously had that goal disallowed that would have continued that run going. Um, Mainstone, what what are your thoughts on on Che with Scotland? Do you fear him starting that game at Wembley and putting Scotland 1-0 up? <laughs> um, funny you say that. I've actually got two tickets to that game on Friday oh, night oh, at yeah. Wembley. Yeah, so hopefully <laughs> I'm lucky enough again in the ballot to be within the reduced capacity um, numbers. But I mean, yeah, what do I do? Like, uh, what do you do if he way, scores <laughs> I mean I'd be bitterly disappointed but I mean I'd have to be slightly happy for him wouldn't I um, but I mean the same could say I mean James Will Prowse yeah. could then go and net a free kick and make it one all um, but I'm happy, for him. <laughs> um, I'm happy for him I think he's he's like Jack said coming through the ranks um, almost shades of, of the Jamie Vardy story um, to Trey Adams' career and I think he's deserved it I mean why not why not I mean if it, if it helps potentially help Scotland out because he's on form he's a very good striker um, probably what Scotland need in terms of a natural finisher in terms of he's one of those players I know we've said it before that give him too much time and he he may may get too confused and like it just doesn't end up going well for him um, but actually sharpshooter he's, he's a very very good finisher so that could be exactly what they need um, yeah I'm in for it also um, Ben what's uh, the Scottish like fan outtake on Stuart Armstrong is he as loved there for the national team as he is for us Southampton fans I don't, I don't, he's not really talked about much which is weird no. I think he had a couple of injuries he had the well he had the positive COVID test and he had the was it a thigh injury back or a hamstring injury yeah. back in mm-hmm. November or whatever it was so he missed the he missed the playoff in, this, in the Serbia game that, that we made it to the Euros from and yeah because we made it through those tough games without him I think a lot of Scottish fans have kind of just not really thought about him that much but I think he's so key. And I think one interesting thing that I think of is we've got Stephen O'Donnell at right wing back who plays for Motherwell, who are I think eighth in the in the in the SPL. And 
I, I wonder if I wonder if Steve Clark can maybe try playing Armstrong there. He's he's one of the top players in terms of tackles for for wingers and, and attacking midfielders in the Premier League and across the top five leagues, I think. And he's he's just he's just an absolute engine. And I wonder if he's, you know it's a bit more attack and threat, and it could maybe then bring on on to just bring in Shea Adams alongside another strike partner as well, and you've got an extra man there with Stuart Armstrong still on the pitch. On we we interviewed um, a Celtic podcast, ninety minutes cynic, over the summer, discussing Elianusi, Forster, and the chances of them going back on loan to Celtic. And it ended up obviously that Elianusi went back and Forster stayed with us. But we did ask them briefly about Armstrong, and it was it was interesting, wasn't it, Jack? About how almost little they rated him, or how happy yeah. they were for him to move to Southampton. And obviously for us, he's been an absolute revelation. And we just discussed him in the, the Bournemouth game about how good he was. But it is it is curious how, for Scotland, you'd think he'd be a key man. And it just doesn't mm. quite seem to have happened that way for him yet. I mean, for sure, I think I would I would be concerned about him going into that game as an England fan. I'd be concerned about Stuart Armstrong mm. and what he can do. Um but I did have one other question for you, Ben, just kind of teeing up the Scotland fans' thoughts on the Euros. What is your expectations as a Scotland fan of that group? Obviously, the other team in there is the Czech Republic. What are Scotland looking to achieve this summer? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, everyone up here is just ecstatic to be in there. It's the first time we've been in an international tournament um, while I've been alive. So um, it's just huge to be there, to be honest. And... And looking at the group, we beat Czech Republic. Uh, I think it was November. It might have been October. Uh, so we can we can definitely finish above them. But breaking into that top two with England and Czech and uh, Croatia is going to be a big big ask for this team. Sorry, you can hear my dog shaking in the That's background. Right. <laughs> um, Didi's in here with me uh, on this podcast, so uh, apologies for her messing about with the sound. But um. The only other thing I wanted to, to touch on on the international break side of things was Alex Jankovic and Mainstone. I think you watched the England under-21 game against Switzerland earlier this week. And by all accounts, he was fantastic. Um, something of an upset. AD Boothroyd's England under-21 team have some fantastic players in that team and fancied um, that they would go pretty far in the competition. Now, it started poorly. First group game, a 1-0 defeat. Just give us your assessment on on Jankovic's performance in that centre mid. Um, yeah, very surprised actually. It was it was really good, um, and I think for it's a funny thing to say for an under twenty one tournament, um, but it was a very mature performance from him, um, which is strange why he hasn't got more football for us, especially off the because he looked like the sort of player that you could trust with a plan. Um, it looked like he had a role in that team. It was just sitting in front of the defence. He was just mopping up, breaking up play, getting the ball, and giving it. It was a very simple performance. Uh, which is why he didn't stand out too much. Um, but he he was one of their best players for sure. Um, so I was, I was very happy with his performance and I'm not going to go into too much depth about the Inter-21 team because I could rant for ages about them at the moment. Um, <laughs> but into, yeah, Alex Frankovic, yeah, really promising. Hopefully um, we can keep him because I know there was talk, wasn't there? His agent came out and said he potentially wanted to move on for first team football. Um, I think next year could be ready. So hopefully we can start seeing more of him. He starts getting a little bit happier with the playing time and we could have a player on our hands, I think. Absolutely. What is Eddie Boothroyd? 
doing as, as the <laughs> under 21 manager. It's actually embarrassing that, isn't it? You've got this talented generation coming through being guided by Eddie Boothroyd. But, um, well, I didn't actually watch the game, but I, I just read on Twitter just about how, how good Jankovic is. And I think just for Saints fans, we haven't had too many brilliant players come through the youth team recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we are looking looking for that one bit of, bit of spark coming through. And he's definitely the one that showed the most promise and I think a lot of got had a lot of people talking and I think I think we're just desperate to see him play a little bit more for Southampton obviously more than that minute he got at Old Trafford um <laughs> so hopefully hopefully he has a good tournament and I'll definitely be keeping an eye out on him but I'd like, like to see him get a, a few more minutes hopefully if we if we win the next couple of games we're going to go on to talk about and our our fixture soon but if we give ourselves a bit of breathing space I think we can afford a little bit of rotation and maybe you know, bring him through um, for the remaining nine games. Yeah, I'm just on AD Boothroyd. I mean, he's already had one tournament for the under-21s and we finished third in the group with one point from three games. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but yeah, we had Phil Foden in that team. We lost to France, which is no disgrace. That We then got beat by Romania and drew against Croatia and ended up finishing third in that group. So not sure how he managed to convince the FA to give him another (laughs) <laughs> two years and another tournament um, because he's, you have to respect it how he's done that yeah I mean remarkable but it's, it's so far it seems like this to this tournament is going the same way but let's not dwell on it too much I just wanted to finally um, wrapping up Burnley in the Premier League for us next big game obviously beat them 1-0 earlier in the season at Turf Moor Ben just to get your thoughts on that we obviously had a pretty disastrous result against Brighton Good result against Bournemouth in the FA Cup. But the Premier League, we're not out of the woods yet in terms of relegation. I think it's a seven-point gap still. So how big for you is this is this Burnley game after the international break? Yeah, absolutely massive. Uh, you guys have mentioned it a few times on the pod that uh, I think it was that four or, four or five game stretch and obviously first one we've, we've lost to Brighton and Burnley, they're on the same points as us at the moment. And one of, if one of those two teams pulls away, I think that's essentially because because of the quality of, of, of Newcastle and Fulham and the likes of them, I think that win kind of sees you a lot more comfortable. So if we can get that win, it's 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 absolutely massive uh, in terms of the season. And like you said, having that security brings brings a possibility of of the likes of Alex Yankovic coming into the squad, those young players, especially with Oriol Romeo out injured as well, a bit more rotation mm-hmm. in um, with the FA Cup coming as well, a bit more chance to just see see what players are about. Jack or Mainstone, one of you, what do you want to see from the game on Saturday? Sunday, I think it might oh, be. Sunday, three sorry. points. Yeah, three, three just, points. Just three points. Yeah, that'd be good. Absolutely. I couldn't yeah. care less if we have an awful performance, but have to beat Burnley. Have to beat Burnley. We can't do the pod post, post Burnley and come away with, with a defeat. That'd be a shocker. But um, just three points. I think it's result over performance time for me. Mainstone? Yeah, let's hope we get um, the same sort of outcome as we did when we played them in that what now seems crucial game. It was almost at the time, wasn't it? It was a real turning point at the start of our season. Um, hopefully we can get another one like that to see us over the line. Um, and I think we will. I'm feeling confident. That was the introduction of Yannick Vestergaard, I think, at the back. Mm. Um, and we get, got us that clean sheet, helped get us that clean sheet anyway at Turf Moor. Well, gents, thank you very much for joining me today. Ben, thank you. Solid Been debut. Been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks um, for having me. He lasted you on <laughs> longer <laughs> than Jankovic. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take much time. Uh, but, yeah. 
Maystone, Jack, thank you very much for joining me as well. And, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week after the Burnley game. Cheers, lads. Thanks, chaps. Cheers. Thank you.